0: Beyond Synth Season 7 Sequence Commencing in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1
1: Hey there, welcome to the show! How's it going, everybody? This is episode 189 of Beyond Synth, and I am your host, Andy Last. Today on the program, I am chatting with Duet... And Stuart Lockwood. So I had a duet on the show last season, and that was a good one. And duet is uh, really cool music. Duet is really cool music. But obviously, some of my favorite duet tracks are the ones that Stuart sings on, and I thought it'd be fun to get to know him too. And so we'll have both on. And so that's what we're going to do later in the show. In the meantime, I'm trying to clear up my messages because all my email folders from all my different social media. Media accounts of all these things and all these messages, and I thought maybe I'd read some of them today and clean up the accounts. Maybe I can get Mike to send me a jingle for the clean up the accounts. Anyway, whatever. Look, let's listen to some cool music, get this show started, and we'll uh, acknowledge some awesome Beyond Sin supporters. Of course, there's Jimpy, and what has that wacky lad done this week? Well, I'll tell you what he's done. Drum roll. <laughs> I can't be bothered to dub in a drum roll. Well look, Jimpy has upgraded his support. In about a hundred years, Jimpy will be personally responsible for my purchasing of a home. A small, modest house somewhere in a small town, and it'll all be because of Jimpy and we'll call it Casa Jimpy. <laughs> Is it casa? Mikasa Sukasa, yeah. And well lucky what we have here. Rachel Bukelman has upgraded her support! Ooh. I feel like I haven't heard from you guys lately. The Bukelman sisters. Oh no, you were there when I did the live stream with um Parallels and Dana Jean and Mecha Mako. See, I'm paying attention. Anyway, look, Rachel Buckelman is a cool lady, and she's now in the 1985 club. She's queen of the 1985 club. How about that? All right, look, let's listen to some cool music. This one was just released a few days ago by Adrielle. Of course, you know, I just had Adriel on the show a few weeks ago, so if you want to go back a few episodes, and go. Who is this lady? Although, mind you, most of that episode was—I <laughs> took up like five minutes being confused about tea. But hey, man, that's uh, that's what this show is all about. So this is a fun track. This is Spirit Skin featuring David Rogers. I think he produced the track, and this is Adriel. And that was Adrielle with the track Spirit Skin featuring David Rogers. And that is a catchy track. And I dig it. And again, like I said, she was on a few weeks ago. So if you want to uh, get to know Adrielle, you can go back and listen to that show. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters, the king of the Patterson's Chris Dance hope your week treated you well. And then, of course, there's William Stewart, 69, and Jose Arbello, 66, (laughs) Satan. You guys are all really cool. So how about we uh, go through and read some mail here? So this was a letter from Dane M. Cox says andy i fucking love your show surprise i didn't find your show searching for droid bishop but those are some damn good shows says you have made a community i fucking dig it keep up the good work i think you're a cool dude fuck yeah keep it up well thanks dane m cox you're a cool guy. He also says, I've listened to most of your podcasts and and really only missing some of the older ones, and I think your family shows are hilarious. Well, thanks, Dane. Um, Yeah, those are fun to do, man. Those are the ones with Marco and Mike and Florence. He says, I was wondering if you ever tried to get in touch with Daniel Deluxe. He's a pretty cool guy. I hung out with him a bit when I saw Dance with the Dead in Denver. He also has a track called Darkness where he samples, you guessed it, Darkness from Legend. I'm guessing this is all stuff you know, but just in case, keep up the good work. I will. Dane M Cox. Assuming what I do is good work and thank you for listening to the show. Uh, yeah, Daniel Deluxe makes cool music and maybe one of these days he'll be on the show. I like to say that with everybody cuz that's the truth. So uh yeah, man, I'm going to press the green check mark which means I have read that letter. <laughs> So look, how about we listen to some more music? Here's a cool one from Honeybeard. I dig Honeybeard. This track was from their uh, first album called uh, Dreamless Sleep. I think they're going to be doing an album for Retro Reverb Records in the future. So they're working on some cool synthwave stuff. But I want to play Dreamless Sleep which was the, uh, the title song from the Dreamless Sleep album. And this, of course, is brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters, L.A. Arson, Jacob Wick, and City Hunter. I say again, L.A. Arson. Go check out that dude on Bandcamp. And Mr. Jacob Wick and Mr. City Hunter. All right, so let's listen to this awesome song. This is Honeybeard with Dreamless Sleep. By Honeybeard. Go check that out. And that was brought to you by my awesome, uh, my PayPals. You know who you are, Mr. DevJock, who's been telling me to, uh, add another field to the Beyond BeyondSynth music database, which maybe I'll get to at some point. You know, because some artists allow their music to be played if people are Twitch streamers and stuff like that, and DevJock thinks it would be a cool idea to add a checkmark field to the Beyoncé database that indicates free streaming use of music. Now, while this is a nice idea, I will never have time to do this. So maybe in the future, if I get some people uh, offering their time, because literally I would need to survey about 750 artists and find out if they allow for free streaming of their music, and then add another field to the database. And then what do you do if someone offers streaming for some of their music? Does that still get a checkmark? Or does that need a different field? Or does there need to be a symbol that indicates all-use service streaming? All use. All... (laughs) Anyways, look, what am I doing? I'm thanking my uh, my awesome PayPals, like Replicant69, and then there's uh, Rob Dyson and Digital Dreams, and the Rosconian, and Jimmy Groon, and Anthony Anselmo, and Deepak Ganger, and Victor Roy, and Angelo Taylor. Man, you guys are all the best. You might be sitting there in the audience right now going, who the hell are the PayPals? Well, if you support Beyond Synth through Patreon, you can go to the Patreon at patreon.com slash beyondsynth, but some people are like, hey man, I just want to give a one-time donation, or I don't like Patreon or whatever. Uh, for those people, if you just go to beyondsynth.com, there's also a PayPal option as well to support the show. And that is a cool thing to do. Let's read another email. Let's read another message. Here's a nice quick one from jenbad 47 She says, My fiancé's abuela is nicknamed Dinks, and now I think of penis when I think of her. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for that. What is an abuela? Is that like a grandma or something? Hold on. Let's do a little research. Abuela is a grandma. See, I got it. Perfect. Now, I'm not sure. Her nickname is Dinks? <laughs> Your fiance's grandma's nickname is Dinks. <laughs> it is one of my favorite words. So, I guess his abuela sounds like a pretty cool lady. <laughs> All right, look, let's listen to some more music. And don't forget, man, duets coming up in just a bit. It's all good. Uh, this is one from Hunter Complex. Hunter Complex uh, from the album Open Sea. This one's cool. This is kind of like movie score kind of stuff that I dig. Uh, and this track's called Crows Zero. Brought to you uh, by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's Lucas Ceballos with the 2666. Oh, by the way, Lucas, before we get carried away, Lucas requested that we listen to Running Scared by Duet. Now, hopefully, Lucas, this satisfies your request, because obviously we do listen to that track later in the show, because since Stuart's here, I wanted to to talk to him about it. So, I'm saying that counts as your request. (laughs) even though we technically would have listened to the song anyways because they were on the show. But uh, I'm hereby checking the box saying that I have satisfied your request. And in the $25 Club, there's Clint Dowling, Honeybeard, and Eric Dahlberg. Hey, Honeybeard, we just heard a song by them. What a coincidence! (laughs) Ha ha ha! Anyways, look, here's an awesome song. This is Hunter Complex with Crows Zero. Hunter Complex brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 club Tim Carlton, Johnny Five, and Emilio Astavez. You guys are all cool. All right, let's listen or let's listen. Let's uh, let's read another message here. This was some mail from someone called Jetstream. It says, Your first CD was fucking music for the masses. I just want to drop you a note that what you do is awesome. Games are impossibly hard to make at an indie level, but I'm so inspired by listening to your interviews. Synth is so visual. I'm working on a concept where the songs drive the narrative and express visually on screen. In my fantasy land, you and Aaron Velling, that's fucking Veilingo, help me curate the game soundtrack that drives a game story. The game is years from being playable. The prototype has some cool tracks from bands like Makeup and Vanity Set. In Beyond Synth fashion, I'm just rambling. My goal now is to support your show, and maybe someday we can chat about my music-based adventure game called Dot 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 Because it doesn't have a name yet. Thanks for reading this nonsense. Jetstream. Well, thank you, Jetstream, for writing into the show. I hope your game gets made, and one of these days, maybe we can talk about it on the show. But his point is valid, you know? Obviously, the synthwave is very inspiring stuff, and it's cool to make things with that kind of music, so... Hey, man! Do the do. and Get it done. I've got several video game ideas myself that uh, I would love to make one of these days, but I am not technically proficient in game design. And, uh... I would be bad at doing that. Here's a message from Red M. Red M says, Hi, I was listening to your podcast when you still had only like 200 followers on SoundCloud. I just logged in today to check on your show, and I'm very glad to see you have grown as much as you have since then. Congrats! Just wanted to let you know that what you're doing is appreciated. Well, thank you, Red M. You are a cool guy! All right. This is fun. I feel like I'm doing stuff. Uh, how about this? Let's listen to some more music. This one is, oh, there's a bunch of people. It's Lunar 1982 and Shy Guys featuring Er George Erk, (laughs) George. George Ergum lids it's going to be brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 club it's pattern shift go check out pattern shift's music and chris williams and kempson hey kempson games used to be kempson games right are you still making games let me know, man. Maybe you can give that other dude advice. Mr. Jetstream. And of course, you guys are all awesome uh, Patreon supporters. And I appreciate it. Now, let's listen to this track. This is Lunar 1982 and Shy Guys with November Is Mine featuring George Ergamlids.
2: November Is Mine John
1: that was November Is Mine, featuring George Ergamlids. And that was by Lunar1982 and Shy Guys. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. There's Joey and Kendra, Martin Larby, who just uh, got stuck in the subway and then sent me a picture because he ordered a shirt from beyondsynth.com. There is a store there with some merch. Uh, Several of you have ordered stuff. Now, I don't control the store, so I don't exactly know what happens, but... um, he ordered a sweater, and it was taking a long time to get to him, but I checked, and it's still in Compton somewhere. So if you ordered the sweater, there's a sweater Beyond Synth. I, maybe it takes longer to get to places than the T-shirt does. We're all learning all of this at the same time. But, oh, here's here's a request. If any of you have ordered Beyond Synth merch off the website, please take a picture of yourself with the stuff so I can uh, share it on the social media accounts and stuff like that, because I like to have that happen. What? and what else that's also brought to you by my other awesome Patreon supporter Gregorio Franco Gregorio Franco just got himself a new tattoo and then went to work in pain like a fool so let's read uh, another message here this one's from Shadow Skyhawk Says, hello. I do not know if you reply to these, but I've listened to half of your podcasts and the music you play, which is amazing work. I'm trying to get started into making my own synthwave retrowave type of music, but I just don't know how. Maybe you could give me some pointers if that's okay. So I did write back to this dude, but basically, you know, there's lots of tutorials on the web for building tracks and stuff. So if you listen and you want to sort of get into doing Synthwave, I would personally recommend FL Studio as a program, a DAW, a digital audio workstation. That's the one I used when I was younger, and I still occasionally tinker with it. And I find that its interface is easy to understand. I think that's why I like it. Um, it's a good entry point. It's also cheaper than some of the other options. And the cool thing with Final Cut is once you buy it, you just sort of, they just send you free updates. So for example, I think I bought Final or Final Cut. <laughs> I think I bought FL Studio, you know, in like two thousand. 10 or 11 or something you know what I mean like that's when I paid for it before then I was using like demos and cracked versions and stuff and ever since then I still get emails you know like every few months saying hey there's like version 20s out now and it's free to download if you if you have an account with them so I'd recommend that and then just uh, check out some tutorials and also don't just watch a synthwave tutorial and like copy what they're doing check out anyone working with Fruity Loops making any like all sorts of different types of music because the important thing it's not just going like here's how you make an arpeggiated note or whatever like it's also important to understand song structure as well a lot of the people who send me music when they get started and if it's not necessarily stuff i play on the show it's because you still need to understand like music theory a bit and there's tons of people online who give tutorials about that stuff about chord progressions and things like this and it's important to know all of that stuff not just the technical like how to put the notes on the you know into the thing and actually like create a sound it's also important you understand how music works and there's so many tutorials online honestly there's more than enough info out there to get started but the reason why i talk about song structure is because a lot of people will just send me music where it's like they they do an arpeggiator which is you know you like hold one button down and then it plays a bunch of notes and i love those like i love those bass lines when they're like do, 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 do and then they'll just do that with a beat you know for like four minutes and go check out my track and like yeah but it's not like a song, necessarily. This is just <laughs> like an arpeggioed note and a beat. Like, that's not a song. That's something. But, you know, so learn some song theory too. That's what I'd say. But it's all on YouTube, man. It's all there. Even Arcade High actually has a series of um, tutorials as well you might want to check out. So, do it. Do the do. Make some music. I obviously want people to go out there and make tunes. It makes my job easier when people actually are good at music and just send me good music. That's the best. That's the best thing there is when that happens. Anyway. Let's listen to some music. Here's a nice one from Fragrance. Although technically he's French, so it's Fragrance. (laughs) Fragrance. I'm sorry. This is a track from Fragrance from the album Now That I'm Real. And this is uh, brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club, Blake Peterson and Mike Shima. Of course, Rachel Buchelman, who was upgraded to the 1985, just edging out Murat by one cent. So there's like a competition going on. This is a lot of fun. And of course there's uh, Hampus ML and Ken Drew and Chatterack. And we will never forget the immortal Chris Lyle And Now let's listen to this song by Fragrance. This is At Last featuring Maya Postepski. And that was at last featuring Maya Postepsky. I hope that's how you say that. Maya Postepsky uh, by fragrance and uh, that's a nice song. I dig it. Remember if you like uh, the tunes you hear on the show, uh, check out the artists all the links if you go if you listen to the show on SoundCloud, All the links are in the more info button. If you're one of those people, one of the eight people who actually watches these on YouTube when I post them, the links are there as well. And please uh, support the artist. That's uh, that's the point. And of course, you can also support this show on Patreon or by going to beyondsynth.com and clicking the donate button. And now, let us go to my conversation with Duet and Stuart Lockwood. I should point out because as I was listening again when I was editing the show, there is a point where Stuart tells a story of an extreme stage fright he had, and I laugh, and when I listened back, I was like, wait a second, do I sound like a complete asshole because I'm laughing at a story about stage fright that, like, (laughs) is an embarrassing story? So I just need to preface this with, although I do clarify later in the show, like, when it actually happens, but the reason why I laughed was because I have... Anxiety. I used to have really bad panic attacks. I mean, the last one I had, which was like maybe like 10 years ago, literally crippled me for like a week. So when other people tell stories of anxiety or panic or nervousness, I laugh because I associate with them. And so it's funny to me when people, you know, when someone says something and you totally understand what they're talking about. When that happens, I laugh because it's like, hey, I found another sort of kindred, panicky person, you know what I mean? And so that's why. So if it comes across like I'm being a jerk, that wasn't wasn't my intention. It's like, literally, I was like, I totally understand what you're talking about because I've had crippling anxiety and panic. So that's that. Anyways, look, let's go chat with Duet and Stuart Lockwood. All right, well, we're here with a return of Duet and special guest, Mr. Stuart Lockwood. How's it going, guys? All good. How are you doing? Very well, yes. Hello. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's let the audience sort of isolate each of your voices. Because yeah, we got such different English voices. <laughs> <laughs> so, where is, uh, where is Duet? Where are we now? No, I mean, well... <laughs> Where are we, physically or emotionally, or I'm not good at hosting a show. That was that was your cue to say hello, so we can isolate you. Hello, I'm Duet. <laughs> Welcome, and I'm I'm Stuart Lockwood. Well, this is going to be
3: difficult. I know we sound exactly the same on the mic. I just thought that <laughs> one of us could maybe do an accent. Should I, I do an accent? I do an accent? Stuart's an actor, so
1: we'll get him to do a different accent. Maybe I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> so look, since you were here last. Yeah, was maybe a few months before you released Cycles. Yeah, that was right. Yeah. So we talked a lot about obviously the catalog of music before that point. Yeah. So today, since Stuart is here, we will backtrack just a bit to obviously the songs that Stuart sings on. So we'll we'll talk about those again, and then we'll uh, talk about some tracks from Cycles. Cool. Uh, and that's how we'll we'll round this out. So it'll be a little bit a little bit of old, a little bit of new. Cool. Yeah, I think so. It's the coolest thing I've ever done. Yeah, I'd meant that as well.
3: I wasn't just going cool. <laughs> he, he did. He did mean it. I, I did mean. it. I could see it in his face. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm just laughing because this literally could be me talking to one person who is pretending to be two people. <laughs>
3: I've got two puppets on each hand. I've got a puppet on each hand to do the voices. Yeah, I wish I could see the puppets. (laughs) Those McDonald's puppets. Do you remember those McDonald's puppets?
4: They were just like plastic gloves. Is this an
3: 80s reference? They had
4: Ronald McDonald's. I don't remember that. Maybe I just dreamt that. (laughs) Like a strange nightmare. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, this isn't good podcasting,
1: is it? No, and I just love the idea of me trying to fucking decipher the two of you. Shall I talk lower? (laughs) Shall I talk lower and then... Ben. Stuart can sing every answer. <laughs> I like that. So what how about this? Like before I say anything, like I wanna be you knows like so how do you feel about uh Mortal Kombat, Ben? Yeah. <laughs> and then Ben can say how he feels about Mortal Kombat and then we can move on. Ben can yeah. say finish him. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what we're going to do. Let's start out getting to know Stuart Lockwood. Okay. I did no research. I didn't really see, you didn't really have much of like a an online sort of presence anyways, really. A web presence. Yeah, do you spend a lot of time on the internet? I don't really, know. I
4: try and keep away from the World Wide Web in many ways. I bet you that makes you a healthier person. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, I just, I don't know what else I'd do. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> Well you gotta start making some shit up. Like le- <laughs> other? I do a lot of Lego. Uh, Lego's good. We can talk about Lego. Yeah, but
4: try and keep away from the World Wide Web. It, it, it traps you, doesn't it? It's like a snare.
1: You know, like everyone's really mad every day about something. Yeah. And then like a day later, no one cares anymore. And it's just this constant barrage of shit. And it makes you feel bad. Like, I don't see it as positive at all.
4: Yes. Maybe it's a good thing that these people are getting this stuff out of their system, though, no? Well, but it's <laughs> probably just good for them. Because they could be like kicking pigeons or something instead.
3: <sighs> I wonder what would be better. That's a terrible example <laughs> That's an new song title by the way <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's an interesting concept right Obviously we know it feels good to sort of be honest And to express yourself and get your feelings out there But if you doing that Causes more harm in the world yes. Like the, yeah. the expulsion Of your negativity causes a Global negativity And you just like well I feel good Because yeah. I got to yell at Liam Neeson or whatever And then like everyone else is like Yeah but now we all feel like shit So fuck you True. Yeah. so who knows man I definitely think
3: I go through a period where I go right I'm not going on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or anything for a few days or whatever and it definitely makes you feel better if you don't do it oh yeah I mean it just does I mean only because you get to the point where you've got to do it because you've got all your things you've got to do with um, posting about stuff and everything but if you just don't check
1: it at all you don't really know what's going on you can really kind of like get on with your life twitter i've stopped caring about so a few years ago i did that thing where i was like trying to build up my twitter following and stuff yeah and now i care so little about twitter like to me it's a fucking pool of negativity like i'll still go on it but only to have someone says something nice on twitter to me and i'll respond to them but i i don't say anything anymore really on there like it's just to post the show instagram i like better i think instagram is my favorite right now yeah me Uh, It's just pictures. You know, everyone I follow, they're all musicians in the synthwave scene and stuff. So it's all just Patrick Nagel ripoff paintings and pictures of futuristic buildings and samples of people's music. I'm like, that's fine. Like ladies in those thong things. What do you call those? Like the spandex workout outfits where the ladies have the thong? Well, I don't know why I'm looking at you, Stuart. Because I'm an expert. He's wearing one uh, now. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Is it a leotard? I guess. Now that I think about it We probably talked about this last time Because <laughs> we got on this big tangent About 80s commercials And there's no way We always talk about leotards Yeah well they're uh, they're fun Well how about this Let's listen to a song And then we'll talk about it And we're going to get the other side of the story. So, obviously, we did listen to this one last time Ben was on the show. Yeah. But now, we're going to get the Stuart Lockwood side, because this song is awesome. So, I should explain to the audience that you sing on some of Duet's tracks. I do, yes. (laughs) That's the setup. And then we'll (laughs) we'll listen, because obviously, like, you've you've collaborated. Collaborated. Fuck me. (laughs) You've (laughs) you've collaborated. It's a new word. (laughs) We've all learned something. It's
4: <laughs> collaboration with jelly. Yeah. <laughs> with Jello. Do you say Jello in in Canada, in Canada? Well,
1: we've got both, right? Really? Jell-O and jelly are different things. Because Jell-O, oh, okay. right? You know, the product that was pitched yes. by a hilarious comedian Bill Cosby, who's done no wrong. Uh-oh. What? Sorry? <laughs> and uh, he used to... <laughs> Is he in jail now? He is in jail, right? Yeah, yeah. For being, like, the world's most (laughs) notorious serial rapist? Anyway, he used to promote Jell-O. uh No! No, it was. It was Jell-O Pudding Pops, because that was the thing. It's like, the Pudding Pops! (laughs) And uh, I've never (laughs) even tried to do an impression of that guy before.
3: It was good. It was good, (laughs) though.
1: Anyway... So the point is, uh, so Jello is one product, right? That's the stuff they—it's yes. c- like, colored jiggly stuff. And then jelly is the stuff you put on, like, a sandwich.
4: Oh, yes, of course. Mm. That's a good segue into um, <laughs> the ad- yeah. Jell-O ad- <laughs> <laughs> track.
1: Yeah, this one's called Running Scared. Running Jell-O. My mind is going to very dark places now and humor that people will not appreciate. <laughs> is this a family show? N- no, no, not at all. No no, 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 no.
4: Dropping the F-bomb.
1: Yeah, sorry, I swear a lot. Does that offend no, you? No, no, that's I- fine. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, here's okay. So, this song is awesome. This is Running Scared by Duet featuring Stuart Lockwood. Running Scared Featuring Stuart Lockwood By Duet And we're here today With Duet Ben And Stuart Lockwood Hello Hi um, <laughs> I will never know <laughs> All one of us Yeah so uh, Stuart We'll, yes. we'll talk to you about this because it's a lovely okay. song you've got a lovely voice thank you very much that's very kind of you do you sing like is there something you do for fun or you like it I do
4: sing I started at school I guess in musicals in really amateurish musicals and then um, was in a couple of bands in my 20s and then I stopped because we would gig, and I would be um, petrified. Basically, I think I was a really scared front man, and I think I made the audience really uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, when you go and see an act, and, the, and the, someone in the band, the front man's so scared that you kind of feel for them. That's what I was doing. What
1: uh, characteristics did you like? Were you looking at the floor? Was your voice shaky? Like, yeah, I remember one
4: gig where I just fell on the floor and went into the fetal position. Which was, um, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I just got the fear of people looking at me and judging me.
1: Did people perceive it like you were doing some sort of like emo sort of thing, like the cure, like you're laying down and singing, or did you just actually lay down and not sing?
4: I, I just, I lay down and didn't sing, but people couldn't see me. So people would just thought, what's he doing? Has he collapsed, or what on earth is he doing? Was that like right at the start of the show? No, it was in the middle of, it's like third song in, I think. And then I kind of pulled myself together and thought, people have paid to see you
1: did they just think that it was some sort of performance art i don't know
4: what they thought god knows what they thought so basically i stopped after that and and the band was like a metal band so um
1: (laughs) i love this story we would do
4: um the last song of each set we would we had a song that would segue into a popular song so we did destiny's child and i remember one one gig we did paradise city by guns and roses and it went horribly wrong and um, when you murder a, a popular song like that, it's tough psychologically to come back mm-hmm. from that. So I, I stopped and I pursued acting because, of course, that's better for someone's nerves
2: yeah. <laughs> if, they're, <laughs> if they're
4: self-conscious. And then I didn't really sing again until Ben approached me with this, with his uh, backing tracks, his demo tapes.
3: And I did that because everyone said Stuart could sing. I would not heard Stuart sing. Everyone went, I think Stuart can sing. I've heard him sing. And then... We like the same sort of music, so I'd sent him these backing tracks, and then when he sent them back with him just sort of singing into his phone, like voice notes just singing, I was like, right, yeah, <laughs> you can sing. but I, I I resisted for
4: ages, didn't I? you yeah. would, you would keep sending me stuff and I just in all honesty, I thought I can't add anything meaningful to this because I can't read music or play anything at all. I have no musical method background. Is that a word method background? I, I can't don't know read music or play anything basically. <laughs> so I thought, I can't, what can I add to this? But when when he sent me the backing for Running Scared, for some reason, I put it on and I immediately sang what's close to what actually came out. Mm. And I thought, I have to send him this idea. I felt compelled in a strange way. So I just put it on like a dictaphone and sent it to him and was very, uh, remember being very red-faced as I sent it to him because I thought, he's going to think this is garbage.
3: And I did. And... (laughs) 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 no I mean that's when you send it back and then I think I immediately said to Stuart you've got to come in and sing this yeah I thought it was a joke I I think you pretty much sang that in one take as well I think it was just like bang sang it through went home that was it it just seemed to work that one yeah so that's that's what happened
1: Well it's a lovely track Thank you Here you are thinking That you couldn't add anything And you've elevated This beautiful piece of music I know when I'm sincere I sound like I'm joking But like I've listened to that song A shitload of times It's really good I love when there's just these Catchy like little vocal hooks Like when you know like I can't do it Because my voice is (laughs) fucked up today But you know like (laughs) Yeah I don't know what it is Every time I hear like This sort of note I'm just like Oh this song's so good Well that happens When Whit Stewart's in
3: the studio With me If he's singing I just sit and watch him Kind of sing He sounds like that when he's just singing Standing next you. It's so good.
1: I should say too because I am giggling at the fact that you were in the fetal position, but I completely sympathize <clears throat> with <Yes>. uh <laughs> I just realized now that could come across as me being a complete asshole. No, no. Like I have that too. Like I can't do things in front of people. Like sometimes people they'll have synth events locally and go like oh you should like host it you know I'm just like no like this is I like being you know one on one with people I like being out and social and stuff but the second I'm like in front of a crowd I know like in high school I won an award for something and all I had to do was go up and get it. Like, I didn't talk. You know, they're just like, oh, and Andy wins the art or whatever. I forget what it was. I think it was art. Or media arts or something. You won the art. Yeah, I just won art, basically. They just said, (laughs) well, we might as well cancel art now because Andy's done (laughs) it. All the art. Yeah, Andy's won all the art. (laughs) He he did it. Everyone just clapped and everyone left. There was no other awards. So (laughs) I'm sitting there and I got so nervous and I I had like an anxiety that sort of awoke in me around high school Mm -hmm. that lasted for a long time. Like, I'm still trying to shake it now, like it just it, it happened. I kind of partially blame weed, because like I had when I had my first panic attack when I was high, and then ever since then my brain right. was like, "Hey, panic attacks are a thing you can have." Yeah, and I didn't have them before then. Like I anyway, but yeah, like I'd get so nervous, like I, I couldn't move. My hands and feet went numb, oh, no. and I was like sitting in my chair. And I was numb, but then I had this adrenaline burst the second I had to just go up there and grab the thing, the award. So, like, I still managed to do it, but... Did you just run up there, then? I don't remember. It was just weird. Like, up until that point, my hands were numb, like, my body was, Mm. like, buzzing, and I didn't have to do anything. Like, all I had to do was just walk and get a thing handed to me and walk away. I
3: think that's quite common now, because I'm like that, too, in that these days, in the music industry, especially, kind of... There's quite a lot of synthwave synths. Synthwave yeah. artist like <laughs> where you can kind of be a one man band from home and not have to do anything or see anyone. Like you don't have to go and DJ relentlessly or play the tracks live you know You can just, if you wanted to, just be at home and do it and no one really has to, you don't have to have any promo shots and you don't have to have anything else and you can still kind of get to where you want to go with it mm-hmm. without having to do all the public stuff. Which I think is quite appealing now to a lot of people.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean it, it is fun to see people go out and actually do like live performance, but yeah. I appreciate that there's something nice about no completely I
3: Mm. completely agree
1: look let's listen to another song and then we will uh, we'll keep talking so I want to play this track off of the Cycles album Uh, so here's a cool track this is Afterglow Mm. by Duet And that was Duet with the track Afterglow, and I'm here today with a return visit from Ben, Mr. Duet himself, and lovely vocalist Mr. Stuart Lockwood. Hello. And you guys are having a lovely day. Lovely. I don't know if that was a question or a statement. A lovely English day. It could be both. I don't like to really say when I record this show, but we just had this really weird snowstorm because I'm in Toronto. Yeah. So it was ice, uh, freezing rain, and it it was like little tiny ice pellets, but really tiny. So when it snowed, it was like walking through sugar. Oh. That was the texture of the snow. Yeah, it was weird. It was just like fucking like a foot of sugar. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing,
3: though about snow now is i really can't be bothered with it <laughs> you know when you're young and you're like this is when it snows when you're young you're kind of this is it mm-hmm. i've been waiting for this kind of all year this is it whereas now i'm like oh forget it <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you for censoring
1: yourself I'm thinking about my drive home i'm thinking about all you know other stuff I'm like i've got kids and so there's still this aspect that being outside is fun but it's not for me no yeah it's all fucking slush and shitty <laughs> i'm done with it ben i'll direct this question at you yeah how you been good <laughs> <laughs> tell me about cycles tell me about the album cycles cuz i think when we recorded last time you had a few of the singles out yeah. but not the um yeah. the thing itself so i struggled a bit when i did borderline
3: i quickly did which was like 2015 i quickly did quite a few tracks for the next album thinking next you know that like the following summer release it and then as I started working on the tracks I started thinking oh is this right I kind of was unsure or then Stuart and I would sit and work on something and it didn't at first flow as much as it did and I thought I need to work something out here well so what I did was I used to um I probably said this to you before cycle a lot on my bike and listen to stuff and cycle along the coast and think of ideas and try and think of things and that's why in cycles you get quite a lot of um sound of waves and things like that i kind of went down and thought i don't know just i needed to have something to focus on that and that was it and then quickly they quickly kind of started being finished at the beginning of last year when i spoke to you last this time we're working on something else now it's kind of happening a lot quicker i think this time
1: so how do you decide what is going to be a track that you present to stewart my influences are either music
3: that's kind of from a, like an advert or some library music or something or 80s pop stuff and sometimes a track will just come up I think that just sounds like Stuart will sing on it. I mean, we've tried other tracks, Stuart and I, that we've tried ideas or whatever, else, but normally I can hear the tracks that would just sound good with Stuart on. At the moment we're working on some that I've sent to Stuart where they just, they just have a structure that sounds like Stuart would sound good on it. There are some tracks that sound a bit like Howard Jones and Stuart, when he sings that falsetto, kind of what really reminds me of how I can suddenly hear this kind of thing I want to hear. I would say with Duet, the way I work on the tracks is if I don't like it, then I don't finish it or it just doesn't get released or whatever. And so I say to Duet, if I ask people whether it's the Duet artwork, the um, guy forces creative that does the artwork or Stuart doing a vocal, I think I would just say do your stuff do your thing do what you think's best otherwise there's no point in asking people to do things i don't think if i'm gonna go yeah well you sing it like this and you do that and you put that there and everything i asked Stuart to do it because i want him to do his thing because he knows what he's talking about well i don't but well um, you know I, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I,
1: I, I look forward to the day where you hand him off a track and then Stuart comes back with like some freestyle rap this is him in the fetal position <laughs> singing some <laughs> rapping about eggs metal yeah. Yeah, that would be funny <laughs> though. It's just a joke. <laughs> well, look. How about this? Let's listen to another song. We're gonna go back to Borderline. Listen to Julianne. Cool. Because it's lovely, and then we'll uh, we'll talk about that. So this is uh, Julianne by Duet featuring Stuart Lockwood. <laughs> And that was Julianne featuring Stuart Lockwood by Duet. I'm here with Duet right now, Ben and Stuart Lockwood. Hi. Hi. So look, Stuart. Yes. What's Julianne all about, man? Do you know what? I I knew I'd get asked this and shit i wish i knew i was going to ask it <laughs> oh really i'm in such a weird mood today <laughs> I don't know what's going on me too cuz my voice is all fucked up and so i feel like i'm in like this cheesy radio guy voice today and so it's coloring everything that comes out of my mouth it's great <laughs> just embrace it mm. <laughs> tell me about your process what
2: was
4: the question oh yeah, yeah. um uh, what is it about i well i i don't really want to tell people what what they're about ooh secrets well and that comes off a bit um, dickish, I guess. Yeah. In some, does, does it?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, shit. No. no, you don't have to. I, I mean, is this about a real Julianne? Is that the problem? Is this about Julianne Moore? It is about, it's about a couple. But I don't want to
4: give details because hopefully I'd like people to take from it what they bring to it. When I write the lyrics, I, I always try and have like a surface meaning that people can kind of... Associate with and like another layer that is very specific.
1: When you come up with lyrics, like, do they come from the real world? That's a good question. So, sometimes, thank you. <laughs>
4: sometimes <laughs> I have a very specific fantasy scenario that sounds
1: weird but I fantasize about other couples all the time trust me no no not with that uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> not with that
1: that's awkward <laughs> um, not, not with that song but
4: others I've written about like a, a weird science fiction scenario that, that I know in detail but on the surface you could read into it that it's about a girl and a boy or, or whatever or mm. cheese or something I don't know so that's the way I kind of try and write so there's two levels to it it doesn't always come off but
3: i remember when we were doing it though because i said um julian was the last track i think did on Boardline. because so i remember having a conversation where i've been listening to i have a playlist of kind of like a mood board of tracks that i'm listening to when i'm doing something like that. and one of the tracks that came on was on the beach by mm. chris Rea. and i said that kind of vibe yeah so it doesn't have to be it's summer you know da da, but it sort of feels like that when you yeah. sing it. That's why Stuart's good at those tracks because they don't sound like the usual kind of commercial lyrics you'd normally hear. They just sound like songs that you could play on the piano or the guitar that just sound like any from any period. They just happen that I produce them in that way.
1: I love the uh, just the, the vocal melodies and, and all the tracks are just so catchy that even when I'm not picking up on like the individual words. like I just like the the melodies and stuff. I think they're very nice. I agree with you.
3: <laughs> that's not Stuart. That's me. That's Ben's Ben's
4: Ben. <laughs> when Ben sends me the tracks, I will send him uh, like a nonsense vocal with kind of weird words and and sounds mm-hmm. but in in the melody. And then is that called scanning? Don't know, when yeah. now when, when you blow somebody's head up with mental power. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do in the studio beforehand, just to warm ourselves up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I, I send kind of nonsense words <clears throat> and sounds, and then I'd have to try and fit some kind of logic or.
3: You say sense. that, though, because I remember you sent me a voice note of Juliet. I literally, that I think was Julianne, the backing track was probably playing in the background from something, yeah. and you were just singing into your phone. Yeah. And I, so I was like, I could just hear that I liked it. Yeah, because I work with other people or on other tracks and stuff, and you get a lot of things where I just send you a voice. And we hear, well, maybe when we get in the studio and we record it properly, and maybe we put some reverb on it, and da-da-da-da-da-da. But sometimes Stuart sends me stuff, and I think, right, yeah, it's down to me to get it recorded properly, as opposed to trying to dress it up. He comes to my studio, and we sit, and normally, I mean, we'll be completely set up, and we don't always have a lot of time either, so Stuart will come in and just sing the track. It's really professional mm. <laughs> and just sing it from kind of start to finish we definitely did with those with Julian and Julian took a longer time because there's lots of backing vocals and stuff in it but yeah the track is just I, if Stuart's written something good and we're sitting then I've got to record it I feel the pressure because I'm like well this only person that's going to fuck this up is me Stuart's done his work you know when I'm producing it trying to make him sound like it's singing he's singing in like it matches the backing tracks you know you get those tracks where it's an 80s sounding backing track but then the vocal sounds really new and fresh mm is recorded now. I'm trying to make Stuart sound as bad as possible. <laughs> no, as like, <laughs> as eighties as possible, you know. Yeah.
1: What uh what musicals were you in? You mentioned musicals. Oh gosh. What was the first musical I was in?
4: How to succeed in business without really trying? What's that one about? It's about a business. Hmm. And I I think it's... There's a young chap who kind of climbs a corporate ladder. That could be nonsense. I could have just made that up. Mm. But there was a song about coffee, having a coffee break.
1: The difficulties of climbing the corporate ladder while also laying in the fetal position at the front of it. Oh, yeah. And then I was in a musical called
4: Viva Mexico, um, (laughs) which no one's really heard of. And I played one half of a comedy duo, like a, a, a Mexican guy.
1: Is this one of those things that like wouldn't
4: be allowed nowadays? That's a good question. It's tr- it's tricky. Did you wear a sombrero? Yeah, and I, d- I did like a really lame gag with a broom where I was kind of tripping over it or, or something. <laughs> there was a scene where there was a, a woman changing and I came in and knocked something over and then had to pretend I was sleepwalking or something. Like, it was like a strange Mexican past. Des- desperate to see this. <laughs> yeah, that was another one I did. But, fu- but funnily enough, the first musical... I auditioned for at school. It was an open audition. So everyone watched everyone do their auditions, which is terrifying. And I remember turning up and everyone having sheet music for Andrew Lloyd Webber, oh God. For whatever. And someone said, what are you singing? And I said, I'm singing a song from Transformers, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> the soundtrack. <laughs> and they were like, "What?" And I'd said, "Yeah, there's a, a song by this guy, Stan Bush." And they were like, "Oh, okay." And then I felt like, "Oh no, I've I should have prepared an Andrew Lloyd Webber song." So you saying you got the touch up there? I think it was the other one, Dare. I think it was
2: Dare. That's it, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
4: I sang that, and uh, there was a pianist in there, and he said, oh, have you got any music? And I said, oh, no, no I'm singing this song. And, and they were very surprised, I think, me singing Stan Bush, who I still <laughs> love. <laughs> that's awesome. So that was my first audition, singing that song. And what I, happened? I got kind of coffee boy number two in, in <laughs> that musical. <laughs>
1: I, I um, played Optimus Prime. I played Optimus Prime number two. I was, yeah, I was playing Optimus Prime in my heart. Well, look, that's really funny. Let's... <laughs> I want to listen to another song, and then we'll uh, we'll keep talking. Okay. So cool. here is another one from Cycles. Actually, we're we're pretty much all in Cycles territory now. Cool. And this uh, is a track called Lifestyle. We're gonna listen to this right now, man. This is Lifestyle by Duet. Mm-hmm. And that was Duet with the track Lifestyle. And I'm here with Duet right now, Ben and Stuart Lockwood. Hi. Hi. So, over the Christmas break, I built, like, a big Lego table. Nice. A listener sent me a big box of Lego, and I've got, I've I've sort of have this big collection. At one point in my life, I bought a a really insane amount of Lego from someone who was selling it, and I made, like, a bin that's sort of like a sandbox. Like, it's just a big box. When I say I made, my dad did most of it. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) I'm like, I'm so not handy at all. I love the idea I'm, like, 37 (laughs) years old, and my dad's building things for me, and my dad is literally building me a Lego box. But it's great. Because it's like uh, it's like a sandbox, and it's like full of Lego. That sounds great. Yeah, that's that. And I also want to build an arcade machine. I've got a few little fucking side projects. Oh, oh Lego? That would be hilarious, actually. <laughs> you could make a little one with an iPad in it or something, couldn't you? Yeah. I never thought about that. A full-size one would be pretty cool. Yeah. Because, I mean, all the all the components are so light now. It's like, you know, you put an LED screen in there. Those things don't weigh anything, so it's not like yeah. it would be crushed under the weight. You need to get your dad over. Yeah. <laughs> What was your last Lego purchase? I think we bought a few little kits for my son, but, like, he didn't really give a shit. Like, you he, play with them for a while, but... Kids yeah, these days. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I think he likes it, but not in the same way that I did when I was that age. Yeah. Because he's always playing PlayStation, so it's, like, it's hard to compete. Uh. When I want to show him, like, oh, I'll play with this Lego, or meanwhile, he could play Fortnite, and all the kids are playing Fortnite, and so it's all mm, fucking yeah. Fortnite party. Yeah. So there was this guy who was about to have a kid, and I found this thing on Craigslist and, he was selling bags of lego it was five or six garbage bags full of lego wow amazing and it was uh it was a really satisfying purchase although one-fifth of it turned out to be bionicle <laughs> yes i know it know it well yep. and uh, so that was a little uh disconcerting because uh mm. is that the word disconcerting or disconcerting discon-, discon- Asserting. I mean Both Both work If we understand what it means Then it, it's a word It works Hey man I like your attitude Yeah <laughs> Yeah so when I talk to people now Who say like Oh yeah I've got a bunch of Lego man Like you can have And their definition of a bunch of Lego Versus mine yeah. Is completely different yeah. You know They'll come up with a fucking like Ice cream tin full of Lego And like look at all I got a ton of Lego you can have I'm like dude If you say you have a ton of Lego Yeah I want a fucking garbage can Full of Lego at least It's five sacks or nothing Yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a specific sack to Lego ratio that's important to me. My life is completely uh, divided into sack ratios. They're very important, but... <laughs> and I just like to build uh, castles and spaceships. I don't know why why am I talking about this? Oh, because we mentioned Lego early on. We're you even recording at that point. I derailed derailed this onto Lego. <laughs> well, no, I think I did. <laughs> did you? Okay. <laughs> I'm not very good at hosting a show, but for some reason I still do it. No, oh, you are good at hosting a show. It's it's lovely talking about Lego. Last time, Ben, when we were talking, because we talked a lot about sort of retro commercials yeah. and uh, yeah. and playing retro video games and stuff like that, Yeah. so what's been going on in that field? What have you been doing for fun in the meantime? Has anything changed? What have I been
3: a- doing? I've grown my collection since I spoke to you last. Ooh. Like I've got a little setup now at home where I've got quite a few consoles, I've got the little mini, the new mini ones, I've got some other bits, and um, just collecting games. I follow so many accounts now on Instagram where people just have like stacks of NES games and stuff. And they're all kind of like piled up, and thinking, I want to do that. I kind, I'm wary there because I get into things really quickly. Where I'm like, I've got to collect all these things, and then about a month later, I think. Oh
1: what I'm starting to realize now because I have like a retro pie, yeah. I do a lot of emulation for classic games so like I don't have like the yeah. mini NES but I've got like a retro pie with a ton of games obviously on my computer but I'm having the same problem that I have with Netflix mm-hmm. and all the other things where when there's too much choice yeah. it sort of eliminates what makes the thing special yeah completely I'm not a purist so I don't need mm-hmm. to play a Super Nintendo using an old CRT screen or I'm fine playing emulated and especially since mm-hmm. like Goldeneye is like my favorite thing and I I play that emulated yeah. because I can play it in, in high definition with PlayStation controllers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But what, I, what I'm realizing now is I think there's still something special about the individual consoles. Yeah. I think my ultimate nerd room would be, there would be a Super Nintendo but inside it would be a computer. Yeah. And it would be emulating just Super Nintendo games but it wouldn't do anything else on purpose because now since all the th- all the emulating things you require no power and no memory Yeah. and you can have a little tiny chip that's got like every single Super Nintendo game and Genesis game or, or Mega Drive for you Europeans. Yeah. That it just ends up being like Netflix where I just cycle through a list instead of actually playing something.
3: I completely agree. I do the same with records as I went through a phase where if I want to find a record I wanted to have something on vinyl and a lot of the vinyl I buy is just because it's something from the 80s or something I just want to have to own rather than I want to listen to records. Mm-hmm. And people go, you can just get it on eBay, you can get that wherever. And I always want to go, I want to try and find it. I want to try and see if I can get, every time I go somewhere, there's a few records. I want to see if I can find it. I've kind of done that with games. I know th- nowadays there's a few more places that have popped up that sell old games, mm-hmm. instead of just going on eBay or going wherever and going, right, I'm going to get this one, I'm going to get that one I, went, I want to kind of browse through them and collect them and, and, I, and I have bought quite a few recently and played them and tried to just kind of go, on Friday I'm going to get a game and I'm going to sit on Friday night and play it. I mean it's probably just nostalgia, because mm-hmm. that's what I would have done you know, I rented a game from Blockbuster or whatever And gone home and played it on, Over the weekend You know Yeah 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 But I like that kind of vibe Because then you have to Stick to it don't you
1: I always thought The the cool future would be To have some little cube That has every single thing in it Yeah And now I would feel like the opposite I want to build Like an arcade unit But I, yeah. but I don't want to have The front end Where you can pick Every single arcade game ever Like do, my yeah. ideal thing Would be To have maybe like Three or four arcade units And one of them Is just fighting games yeah. You know So you still have a choice But it's not everything It's yeah. like this this machine is just Mortal Kombat's and Street Fighters. And then this machine is, uh, you know, Streets of Rage and Brawlers and things like that. And, yeah. Because I don't mind a bit of choice. But it, when it gets too uh, crazy, that's that's been my problem is like I'm just not enjoying any of the media that I've been collecting. No, completely. I think it's the
3: same with, I don't know if you ever go to anywhere that has arcade games in it, Mm -hmm. where you've got that set selection of games that you can play and you can kind of really get into them. There's a couple of places in London where I go and play games sometimes and you can kind of go back and then they have the high scores and stuff. I mean, you can really get into the individual rather than having 500 games on one machine, where they just kind of throw away and you're paying for 10 seconds and you think, oh, there's probably something better than this.
1: Yeah, exactly. Honestly, like all I do on Netflix, like I I don't watch anything on Netflix. You know, I spent 10 minutes trying to find something to watch in the background. i do that at lunch I just wanted something Literally So that out of the corner Of my eye Yeah <laughs> I would see a moving image On the screen Like company And it still took Ten minutes And I ended up watching Like fucking Friends or something Like I don't even Really yeah. like Friends But like is like That's what I landed on Because I'm like Well yeah. I don't want it to be A movie I haven't seen Oh yeah. uh, well, I don't really want it To be a horror film That'd be weird And then I end up Going through yeah. this whole list Of documentary it's like No I don't want to know Fucking Ted Bundy <laughs> In the background And like And it just pisses me off so I thought. About that
3: with um, with YouTube playlists, where you could just set a playlist, you know, set it up for a day, and it's got compilations of commercials in between, and it's got different interviews, or it's got other bits and pieces in there, and then just share out that playlist and go, "This is the, the TV for today." You know, there's probably someone really young listening, going, "Oh, like we've well, been doing this for years." I remember sort of talking to a guy about two years ago, going, "You know, one day i we'll to have a whole music collection on something that's the size of a packet of cigarettes." Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure that already exists. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, look. Uh, let's listen to another song. We are going to go to this lovely song called "Don't Make Me Wait," featuring Stuart Lockwood. Because Stuart's been quiet over there. Is he still there? Hmm, I'm knitting. Okay. <laughs> uh, so we're going to we're going to listen to this and then talk about it because this song is uh, is very very good. This is "Don't Make Me Wait" by Duet featuring Stuart Lockwood. Then that was Don't Make Me Wait my Duet featuring Stuart Lockwood. And I'm here with Duet right now, Ben and Stuart Lockwood. Hi. Hi. Tell me about this track. This is like one of my favorite tracks from last year, man. I listen to this song a lot. Wow, cool.
4: Wow, thank you. We were just talking about this track not less than an hour ago. Mm. And for me, the lyrics and the um, the melody yeah. it came really late. And I really struggled with how to sing it and just thought it wasn't, whatever I was coming up with wasn't working. And literally the day before, it kind of clicked in. My only, um, way of knowing whether something's right is whether it kind of clicks in. That's the only terminology I can use. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, it kind of clicked in the day before. It's one of those that's got a very specific, weird story attached to it that I, that I don't want (laughs) to give out. But, um, but it's odd and kind of childish and a bit sci-fi. Okay. Uh, but, but, but oh, you it, are. Like me, yeah. That's exactly, that's yeah.
1: Well, listen, man, the, it's, it's fucking really good. Thank you. I'm always picturing how I would use it if I was, like, directing a movie. Like, that's usually what music does to me, personally. Yeah. Yes, same. When a song hits me in a particular way, I'm just like, oh, this would be so cool in this scene or whatever. And for some reason, listening to this song inspired me to start writing a Streets of Rage knockoff movie Really? Cool. But here's why, though. I'll explain. Whenever they do video game adaptations, they're always bad because they never really focus on the actual elements of the game. They try and add all this extra shit. They try and overcomplicate it. Like, you know, a lot of movies now are kind of overcomplicated, especially like the Hollywood ones. Yes. You know, it's like there's always like 80 double crosses and the movies are three hours long. And, like, and sometimes I think, why am I being held back my imagination with um, intellectual IPs or whatever? Like, if I want to write a Streets of Rage movie and I go oh I can't because you know you'd never get the rights to it but I started thinking like well what is Streets of Rage it's three undercover cops who fight across a couple streets some punks with green mohawks and and then uh, they go up to the penthouse and there's a guy with a white suit and a machine gun and they kick him out the window like that's what it is and so I'm like well you can't copyright that and so I started thinking about that context for everything going like well I could do a golden axe I could write a golden axe script and it's called fucking Silver Sword I mean like and then it still has the dynamic because at the heart of it you know being like a video game nerd and a fantasy nerd and sci-fi there's a lot of things that are very basic things like I don't need a three hour movie I need a movie that's like whatever the minimum a feature length film can be like one hour and 14 minutes or whatever the hell it is some classic movie where it's just a bunch of people getting revenge they beat up a bunch of people the movie's an hour long it's just a string of fight scenes and at the end they kick a guy out the window and like that's the end of the movie yeah and so I came up with a storyline to justify what's going on and so it would still have the same dynamic of Streets of Rage, right? There's two guys and a girl. The girl's motivation would be that, like, her cop friend, you know, at the start, there'd be this scene that, like, where it's the catalyst for all the main characters, right? Like, this guy's partner gets killed, this other person's family gets threatened, or their house blows up, and then the girl has, like, this relationship with this cop in the office, but then he gets killed in this raid, or whatever. And then this song is the song that plays close to the end of the movie, before they go to their final fight. Oh, right. Where the three of them meet up in the warehouse, where everything went down at the start of the film and all their friends were killed and stuff and it's got like the moonlight coming in yeah so it's all lit kind of blue they're basically like asserting like that they have to go and do their final battle with the dude and then the other guys come in and they're like hey man we gotta we gotta do this thing and so it's sort of like emotional but it's also building to the climax of the film and uh that literally is what came to my head when I listened to this song I cannot explain why don't question it because <laughs> like that's amazing lyrically I don't know that that connects but it's like it's the moon of the thing like I just picture these three people who are just there and mm. they're they're just sort of like reminiscing and there's like a sadness to it but there's also an energy building as well that like yeah this is going somewhere is this the bit in lots of
4: stories and films There's there's a, a section towards the end called the all is lost moment where the, the hero is um, comes to term with the fact that they, they can't complete their goal.
1: Well, those are my favorite. When it all goes in slow motion and then like the, the it, orchestra it goes comes wrong in. towards the end. Aragorn's getting stepped on by that troll and they're like, ah, oh, if Frodo doesn't put that ring in the fucking thing, man, they're
4: doomed. Exactly, right? Or in all the Rocky films, someone gets ill. Mm-hmm. Right? That's, that's <laughs> what happens. It's <laughs> true. Like the trainer got ill and then his wife and then, but then there's a moment after that where the trainer or his wife says, you can do it. And then the montage kicks in and they kind of go for that last final stretch. So it sounds like that's what you mean, it would come there. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: If I ever get off my ass and actually like make any of these projects, they would be very influenced by the music. You know when you watch certain movies and like, this movie's okay, but it's the soundtrack that's fucking elevating it? This is an example of that. Yeah. Where like, literally, this song playing would like make anything awesome. Oh, cool. But it's so weird, like it's weird when those ideas strike you, because when I say them out loud I feel foolish, but I'm like, why on earth this song inspired me to write a fucking Streets of Rage ripoff movie like of all things like why but it just you know it
3: can happen the other way though because I've seen when I'm doing tracks and thinking of scoring a film that you've already seen like a real film just thinking about a moment in that film it could sit I've done that with a few duet tracks with Running Scared when I first did it was an instrumental there's a specific part of a film that I just kept thinking I wanted it to fit in and this is going to sound really weird there's a bit in um, you know Weird Science Mm. there's a part where after all the stuff's happened in the house and they're with their girl Friend, they're taking the girls back to their houses do you remember they've got the girlfriends at the end and the Ferrari and the Porsche Porsche are going back to take them to their house like I was just thinking of that I was just thinking of that scene thinking it's a kind of John Hughes like it's all kind of settling Mm. down it's a bit more kind of aspirational it's kind of that's all done I was thinking of that when I was doing I know that sounds ridiculous but I wanted it to fit into that scene there yeah 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 and it's useful to get those kind of inspirations from things because then you get a visual either if you're thinking of music for a film or you're doing you know film for music, it helps to get you inspired for it, doesn't it?
1: That's when I know something's good, like, when it really hits me. That's why when I see people who review music, but they do it with, like, a numerical score or, like, this album is a B. Yeah. I never could do that because music, to me, is all about, like, a feeling. Yeah. And if I ever reviewed music and had, like, a blog where I was reviewing music, I don't listen to a song and go, well, that's a 67%. Like... (laughs) You know, yeah. my brain doesn't do that, but I'll listen to a song and go, this would be wicked in a fight scene. Yeah. You know, or this song would be mm. awesome for, like, the, the couple are, like, walking on the beach, and this is the song that's fucking playing right yeah. before the credits roll, and, or this is the thing at the beginning when the dude's getting his new car, and blah, blah, like, it, it'll move me to a specific emotion, and then I would say, here's the emotion I feel when I when I listen to this stuff. Yeah, 100%. Look, the point is this, the song's great, eh? It's my, it, I listen to this song a
4: lot. Thanks. Thank you. Do you think, if you grew up on a desert island and you hadn't seen any television or film but you heard some music like that then you would picture like a film scene do you know what I mean if you hadn't seen it will that that still evoke
1: Good question, because obviously a lot of my visual vocabulary comes from things I've seen. Yeah. You know, when people do, like, movie pitches and stuff, it's mostly like, it's fucking Beetlejuice meets Batman. You know, like, they have to to say things in order for people to understand. Yeah. And I guess it's, like, the the real visionaries are the people who walk in and go, like, I can't explain this, but give me 300 million and you'll see something, you know. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah, it doesn't really go anywhere, though, does it? It's
2: kind
4: of
1: yeah i I mean i guess it would require me to put myself in a place that's like just a completely different life yeah it's yeah if i lived in some isolated tribe where they've never seen a tv i mean if someone walked in with a light bulb would i freak out yeah Yeah. exactly i would i do now yeah (laughs) light bulbs light bulbs terrify me (laughs) me too (laughs) i don't go inside i like to record in the dark (laughs) let's uh here let's listen to another song And then we'll, uh, we'll keep talking. This is another one I dug, uh, off the album. This is So Material by Duet. And that was So Material by Duet. I'm here with Duet right now, Ben and Stuart Lockwood. Hello. So you guys are writing new stuff right now? Yep. Cool. We are. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't going
3: to... It's weird because um, I would started thinking, after I did Cycles, I was thinking, oh, that's it now. I'd, You know, not that's it forever, but three duet albums now, you know, it's kind of quite a lot of tracks. And so I thought I need something to keep me entertained, or like a concept, or something just to kind of get me going. One of the first concepts I did was I'm just going to use synths, or you know VST synths from a specific year. Right. I can't use anything else like 1988 or whatever, and just do some tracks. So I did a few tracks like that in December, which just they all end it all ended up sounding like Pet Shop Boys. Right. It's just really hard to move away <laughs> from that kind of sound. Which I sent Stuart. Stuart's had a look at those and then the last couple of weeks just been doing a few kind of backing tracks and stuff and Stuart's been sending back some really good vocals and stuff so we're going to see how we get on. So there's never a kind of time limit on anything if it happens then it happens.
1: What's this uh, Alpine stuff about? That was another
3: kind of well, when, I, when I made Horizons the first Stuart album I gave myself a load of strict rules about how I could do it so I said right you've got that drum machine then two synths what I might have had if I was making music in the 80s and you've got to make an album just using that stuff and then as duet's gone on I've kind of used I've used loads more stuff but I thought I want to see if I can make an EP just like that I'm going to limit myself to one sort of drum machine of two or three synths got it quite quickly and as I was doing it it sounded kind of 80s but it doesn't sound like duet to me right having said that since it's been released everyone says yeah it just sounds like duet (laughs) (laughs) but um, I saw a slightly different maybe darker sort of style and I thought you know let's do something else
1: the idea of sticking to specific um, synths kind of ties into this whole thing when I was talking about before, about, you know, the Netflix and having too many choices and being yeah, sort of uh, exactly uh, that. frozen exactly by that. the choices. Yeah, like, if you already know, like, yeah. this is what my baseline is going to be. Like, it's it's one of two. Yeah. If you listen to Purple Rain or an album like that, it sounds
3: like they made it on the same day with all the same stuff and the rest, you know, it sounds like it was all made really diffusing a few bits they had. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to try and do that. So what would I actually have if I was seeing if I was in the 80s? If it's expensive, I might have, you know, like maybe 3 or four synth drum machine the limitations like you were saying before about the games and about things that kind of give you more of a, a vision of where you're going to go or what you're going to do They make the decisions for you
1: and I guess too it also allows you to focus more on the actual music yeah. itself like just instead of cycling and hitting one note and cycling for like four hours yeah completely
3: I really like that I need I need little hooks like that to make me creative, otherwise I just get really bogged down in or oh, maybe I will flick through you know fifty more kick drums,
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. what's it like in Canada at the moment uh at the moment,
3: yeah.
1: That's a really broad question, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's cold. It's not super cold today. Last week yeah. was insane. It was like negative 40 and shit. Yeah. Degrees Celsius. Do you know what the difference between Celsius and centigrade is? I think it's the same yeah. thing, isn't it? Why do, Why is there two words then? Like whenever I watch Planet Earth, you know, and like David Attenborough and he's like yeah. talking about how cold stuff is, and it's like, and it goes between 42 centigrade. And I'm like, so is centigrade the same fucking thing? Like, why are you saying I centigrade? I haven't heard anyone say
3: centigrade for years. It sounds like a really old fashioned thing. They used to say on the weather and stuff here. Well, David Attenborough does. He's a law to himself, that man. Yeah. yeah,
1: maybe he's just making shit up. Where does he get off? Yeah, fucking. So, So how how
4: far through this uh, Streets
1: of Rage screenplay are you? I have a bunch of projects that I'll never be able to make because I never have fucking... Like, the podcast takes up my whole week. Like, it's my work week. Because I had a robot show I wanted to do. So that was Circuit and Breaker, but that was, like, science fiction, and it was the guy in a robot suit and stuff. Nice. And then I started thinking, well, there's there's got to be some projects that I can do that are a bit more reasonable, like where it's just humans in it so at least that Mm. saves me the logistics of costumes and all the special effects and stuff and I've always wanted to do like a Streets of Rage like I love Streets of Rage I love a lot of retro video games and and I just and for some reason it was your damn song like I was just like I was like well why do I need to why does it need to be Streets of Rage you know because what's compelling about this story to me is that there's these three characters if I cast the movie I would make them look exactly the same as the game sure because it's the visual stuff that That I attach to. So when I think of Star Wars, for example, and I think of sort of what they've done to that franchise now, and they're they're trying to make it about other things. And at the heart of it, I'm like, no, no, this is really simple. It's like guys in cool masks and spaceships with lasers and laser swords. Like, that's what this is. It's not deeper than this. A lot of the reasons why I liked those things when I was a kid was for those reasons. You know, as a kid, it's like... I like Darth Vader. Why? Because he has a cool mask, he, he's dressed all in black with a cape, and he's got a fucking red lightsaber. Like, that's why I like him. Yeah. When it comes to doing, like, an adaptation of a game or something, I just think, like, well, what are the elements I like about this? And with Streets of Rage, it's it's the, it's the just the visual style hmm. and the mood, what the music was like and how that sort of set the mood, like that early 90s techno soundtrack and um, the idea of, like, kind of fighting bosses, you know, like you're fighting through these punks, but then every few minutes, you know, in, in the story. There's gonna be a really tough dude that, you know, it takes all three of them to beat and stuff. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. And so I thought, well, like, it doesn't need to be streets of rage it can just be three cop but, but I would have them look the same so I would still have the girl wearing latex fucking mini skirt thing that doesn't make any sense yeah. and then like cast them so they all look like the characters and then just call it something else yeah. and I like the idea you know beating up people on the streets and then having to go to the penthouse at the end yeah. where the, the final boss is always like in the penthouse you know where you have to like the level 7 is always riding an elevator up to the last boss yeah. where you have to fight some of the original people again like some of the bosses from like level 2 and 3 come back but they're just like regular guys now that you have to fight on your way to the, anyway, sorry That sounds great it's like have you seen the raid yes no see that's an example of simple it was like a video game wasn't it yeah and and the, i mean the raid is obviously like the choreography and those movies are amazing but like yeah the simplicity of it is what i love like I, that's yeah an inspiration and just stories don't need to be complicated it's like the first fucking 10 minutes everybody's friends get killed someone gets kidnapped and then for the rest of the next hour they're just getting them back and then they get them yeah. back and then the credits roll like there's no yeah. thing at the end where it's like hey it turns out uh, I was working with the bad guys the whole time like hey, we trusted you like I don't yeah. need that shit like it's yeah. it happens in every movie now like I almost to the point where anytime I watch a movie now and there's a character who's like really cool and nice it's like well, he's going to turn because he's the nice guy. So they're going to fucking yeah. flip it at the end where he's bad. And we're going to be surprised because he was nice. But i now it's like every movie does that. Like it would be more of a plot twist. If the asshole guy turned out to be the bad guy. Cause you're like, yeah. I'm actually genuinely surprised because this twist anyway, that's why I've, I've been really enjoying watching bad movies lately yeah yes and the reason is that they actually surprise me because bad incompetently made films do things incorrectly <laughs> but in a way it's more surprising yeah because i'm not expecting it like most of the films i watch are like competently made so yeah. when i watch a bad movie it's it's surprising to me because i'll be like oh yeah like they'll introduce a character and then kill them in a way where you're like well that doesn't work story-wise and but at the same time you're like i didn't see it coming though you yeah. know because that's an it, that's an error in filmmaking and so i love that stuff almost more now
4: i, w- I watched um a film uh, called dreamscape a couple of months ago uh, that was out in the 80s have you seen it no dennis quaid is the the hero, the protagonist in it there's some kind of science experiment which allows people to enter people's dreams oh. and um I remember watching it, I went to America when I was about 10 and stayed in a, in a motel and remember it being on TV in the motel. I wasn't oh. I wasn't really supposed to watch it, mm. <laughs> but saw little clips of it and uh, I thought, oh, I wonder what that's like. And I quite enjoyed it uh, when I watched it again. Hmm.
3: Because it was bad or because it was good? Because, uh, because it was bad, but... Interesting, But interesting as
4: yeah. well.
1: There's so many 80s films I haven't seen. And so, like, I really like movies from that time, but there's a ton I haven't seen where, like, when I admit them out loud, I don't like to because the nature of this show, I think sometimes people assume that I know more stuff than I do. And it's so great to see those movies that I haven't seen before because i get to yeah. discover them they're new to me but they have the you know yeah. they're not filmed on digital like they're not super crisp and they have oftentimes have these fun like scores i haven't heard and this is awesome discovering them again or maybe we should listen to another track so ben wh- what's another track on uh, on cycles that you think we should uh, listen to uh brochure you want to listen to brochure go with that one yeah all right man well here is brochure by duet and that was Brochure by Duet and that's a cool track and I'm here with Duet right now Ben and Stuart and uh, we're just talking about uh, nerdy stuff. Nerdy stuff. (laughs) There's a cinema in London called the
4: Prince Charles Cinema and they they show 80s movies um, on film. Yeah. They show aliens and you can watch it with that kind of 80s sound so it's not Crisp
3: and the crackles on the and screen the crackles and stuff, on the yeah. screen,
4: and it it really takes you back yeah, to uh, that's cool watching that on VHS. Yeah, it's great. It's great that and Big Trouble in Little China. It's in
3: Leicester Square. It's right in the centre. Yeah, of
1: London. Yeah, I don't like the way Leicester is spelt. Lycester Leicester,
4: yeah, yeah. Leicester. <laughs> strange, isn't it?
1: When I was a kid, because I watched uh, uh, like Doctor Who is my favorite show. So, oh, cool. and there was some pronunciations that always confused the shit out of me. And one of them was lieutenant. Lieutenant, yeah. yes, lieutenant. Have you Have you seen the new Doctor Who series? Some of it. I'm not. Uh, I haven't actually liked the show in the past like five or so years. Yes. Who's your favorite doctor? Well, Tom Baker. Yes, good man. Well, I like I like the old show, but the old show is is weird and special and unique and and it's science fiction like i just feel like the past 5 or so years the show became kind of like fantasy yes. like it was it was a lot of talking about like prophecies and people getting resurrected all the time and it was really bouncy and silly and it was almost like they were masking the fact that the stories didn't make sense by telling them out of order and stuff. And yeah. I just like straightforward science fiction. Like classic Doctor Who episodes, it's like, you know, they have their own flaws, be like the budget, and a lot of them are too long. Like a lot of them, you can yeah. trim like two hours and you still like get the gist of it. But you know, they, they were straightforward adventure. And when the villain was dead, the story was done. Yep. You know, it was like, yeah. there's, there's Doctor Who episodes that literally end like credits roll like seconds after the villain is dead. And the Doctor just turns around It's like, oh, well, the Mara is destroyed. Roll credits. And then new Doctor Who, it's like yeah. the bad guy doesn't even get a chance to develop a motivation before they're killed so the Doctor can have like a heart-to-heart with his friends for like 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. It's fine, I guess, but it's not what I want from what I like about the show. Like, I like science fiction stories and the new show just wasn't telling those sorts of stories it's like it's like science fiction stories are not the priority of that show anymore
4: yeah there's a there's a great series of episodes uh, with tom baker and apologies to the uh the Huvians. is it the Huvians out there mm. yeah, uh, <laughs> fuck them if i get this wrong mm. but um he is forced to have a, a companion is it romana yeah romana one because she regenerates later on that's right and he's and he doesn't want a companion and then they go on a a series of quests for for things over like three or four episodes Mm mm-hmm I hope I've got that right. Yeah,
1: that was the key to time season. That's
4: it. And it's a great bunch of episodes. It's set up well, and um, it's it's wonderful. I haven't told many people this, but when I was at primary school, so six or seven. Years ago. Years ago. <laughs> hundreds of years ago. Um, I I used to imagine I was Doctor Who in, in the playground. No. But just with m- myself, I was the only one playing this game. Okay. And I took my dad's tire pressure gauge. Are
1: you? fucking kidding me?
4: And, and that was my dude s- Sonic
1: screenwriter. Dude, <laughs> I did the same fucking thing! Really? I did the exact same thing. Wow. I'll, That's amazing. I'll go fucking even nerdier than that. I actually did have one friend who liked Doctor Who. I grew up in a small town, so the idea of liking Doctor Who was a weird quirk of mine, right? Because no one else did. Yes. It, everyone was terrified mm-hmm. of it, because we had uh, public TV or whatever that played them, and you know, everyone you know, when the music started and the Doctor's face like zoomed into the screen, like it just terrified people yeah Yeah, so good so yeah so i would do that and i had one other friend and they had some episodes where like multiple doctors would meet up yeah and so when i played with another friend like we could each be like different incarnations and i had my dad's fucking tire pressure thing and that was the sonic (laughs) screwdriver (laughs) because it it was the crazy, it was the closest looking thing to a to a sonic screwdriver too nice Oh yeah, I scoured his toolbox and, and I don't even you know. I had it. But but people, I,
4: the kids must have been looking at me, thinking, "What is he doing?" He's kind of running about, talking to himself, checking
3: pressure,
1: checking. Yeah, because I um when I would play, like, a lot of my friends would play war, like that was the game, right? Where they're, they're all army yes. men, and so I would always be the scientist. That was my way out, so I'd be like, oh, I'm yes. the scientist guy. He still shot guns, but, like, he, <laughs> you know, like... And I would always choose those sorts of characters. It's like, when Terminator 2 came out, I would be the T-1000. My buddy would be Arnold. Yes. And I always liked it, because the T-1000 was, like, smaller, but he still had the strength to throw Arnold around, so it still, like, made yep. sense. And uh, You wrapped yourself in tin foil. Yeah, like, but the stupidest thing I ever did... And I remember my teacher, uh, teacher was just like, what are you doing? Like, for some reason, some... Fucking religious group Came into our school And gave us all Little bibles Oh These little red bibles Okay Yes And uh I'm not really a bible guy But there was this episode Of Doctor Who Uh It was called Paradise Towers It was like In the It was when the show Started to kind of Not be good Yeah There was like These these caretakers Who were in this building And there was these Killer robots it's a really oh, che- yes. it's a che- cheesy episode, it. but then yeah. these caretaker guys they all have this rule book and they walk around with a rule yes. book and that was like a plot yeah. line was just like they only do things that are in the rule book and so I yeah. would I was on the playground playing with this stupid Bible saying it was the fucking it was the rule book from this episode because <laughs> because the doctor steals one off a guy and he's like looking at it to like trick them and stuff yeah and then the teacher was just like why are you like playing with a Bible <laughs> and I was like yeah you're right <laughs> like, and then I stopped yeah I. D- I d- I haven't stopped
4: (laughs) doing, you know, sometimes be on the street.
1: You know, we don't talk about this often, like, uh, about uh, the characteristics people absorb. Like, I watch a lot of stand-up comedians, and they'll talk about how, you know, uh, when they first start, they're sort of doing an impression of somebody, and then they eventually find themselves. For me, there's a lot of things I watched when I was a kid, comedians or shows or whatever, that certain mannerisms and certain things have actually, like, worked their way Mm. into my actual character, like, as a person. So, like, some of my sense of humor, it's not me like one of my favorite comedians when I was a kid like I've sort of absorbed some of his mannerisms into my being Mm -hmm. so some people will catch it when I when I'll joke around and they'll be like oh like you're doing this person I'm like no no, like this is me like this is who I am and there's certain mannerisms I've just absorbed from like Doctor Who as well like just certain ways like Tom Baker would say certain sentences or weird facial expressions he would make in reaction to stuff and then like I will do those naturally because it's like that's that's how you react to this sort of weird situation and my wife got me like a a full-on uh tom baker scarf knitted that that is amazing well it's it's actually it's too big because he's a big guy and i'm not a big guy like i'm like five nine and so if you actually have a scarf that's made the same dimensions as the one he wore yeah it's like a a fucking sleeping bag like you can just wrap it all (sighs) the way around it and it's wide too it's really wide yeah so it's like it's like a foot wide and then like fucking 20 feet long or something and so it's 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 cool though it's a cool thing to have i guess amazing <laughs> <laughs>
3: With your Bible and your screwdriver.
1: Yeah, dude. I uh, everyone will hate this, uh, like, because I always bring up I like Doctor Who, but then like no one takes the bait. I took it. I took that bait. Because <laughs> once it happens, <laughs> then I'll end up talking for too long about Doctor Who, and I'm like ah fuck, and yeah, the audience like too, yeah. d- d- does not have it. There's a few Star Trek fans. Yeah. Like I started watching some old Star Trek, and there seems to be more Star Trek fans that are like happy to hear mm. about that. But when it comes to Doctor Who, it's like no, yeah. You people- <laughs> should be talking about music. Shouldn't we? Well. <laughs> we'll get carried away here. So let's listen to that track you did with, uh, with Raph. We should probably hear that, right? That's a fun track. Yeah, yeah. okay for it. So we'll uh, listen to that right now. Uh, this is Duet with the track Paradise featuring Raph. Raph. And that was Paradise featuring Rav by Duet, and I'm here with Duet right now and Stuart Lockwood. Hello. Who who is Raph? He I,
3: I did a remix for another project of something. He'd done a vocal on which he liked he's not done any stuff that sounds really kind of uh, like duet but when I started working on the album I was like look I've got this kind of soulful duet track that I'm working on do you want to try working on something for it and he sent it over, and I really liked so he's got a really really soulful voice and I just thought Mm -hmm. it's a kind of it's a different kind of vibe but it still sounds like duet I think
1: did you punch him in the face Stuart? he's dead he's dead now
3: (laughs) (laughs) he's under the tarmac
4: (laughs) which was unfortunate but you know Hey man. to happen? No, no, he's he's got a lovely lovely voice and um yeah, I couldn't do that. I've got no soul.
3: <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah.
1: I had a fight with Shang Tsung and he stole mine, which was good. <laughs> nice. <laughs> which was nice. too bad. When I saw that green glow shoot out of my body, I knew that my life trajectory was going to be <laughs> nice. very different. Um, well, look, we can probably like start to wind this down. But like, is there something we haven't uh, talked about that you wanted to talk about? Do you want to take us through Julianne again, Stuart? <laughs> <laughs> but one one of these days, we'll we'll have a pure Doctor Who conversation. One of these days, I would love that at the at the. Um, what do you call it when people don't want you to do something <laughs> like the other people at the not the behest because that would mean they, they demanded it right at the um, at the to the detriment yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> to the detriment of our, <laughs> of, of the three people who listen to the show, it will be to their detriment. <laughs> yes, and three of those people will probably be us. Yeah, <laughs> we're the three. But look, man or uh, guys, the the new album is great. Thank you. Uh, I guess it's not really the new album anymore, but. Uh but I dig it a lot there's a lot of really awesome songs on here and people should check out thank you I look forward to hearing more collaborations from you guys and also to check out Alpine as well right yeah yeah thanks that'd be great yeah there's lots of stuff I think I played one a few weeks ago so you did yeah thanks for that Um, it was a good track I actually forgot it was you <laughs> <laughs> so did I <laughs> that happens all the time where like I have a playlist of all these tracks and I'm like oh uh, Alpine that's right I got this sent to me and I'll play a track and then when I was doing the links so once I Play a track and then I go through and gather all the artist links and I'm like, what the fuck is it's modal? <laughs> and I'm looking at modal records or something and I'm like, okay. And then I just see like, wait, it's just fucking duet. <laughs> like, I completely forgot. Oh no, it's confused.
3: my fault. It's confusing.
1: <laughs> well, the the thing is because I get messages from people and they send me music, but then I often don't get to it because I don't I don't do this show like here are the top five songs of the week. Like someone will send me music and I don't end up playing it for like a year. Like just I'm just disorganized.
3: That's cool because I've heard stuff in your show that i thought this this sounds cool, and I've looked, and it's quite old. You know, it's like a few, a couple of years old. I've just, you know, discovered quite a few tracks from your show like that.
1: My premise is that it's it's new to somebody, yeah. But uh, yeah, so let's, uh, I don't know we'll, we'll wrap up. You want do you want to say some goodbye stuff? Maybe each of you can like say a, a closing monologue. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's been an
4: absolute pleasure, a pleasure talking to you. I hope people have got something from it yeah thank you for listening everyone to us going about nerdy stuff and and music and i just wanted to say if if people do want to make music or write a screenplay or whatever just have a go because it's like the end of he-man isn't it this is kind of the thought for the day yeah because i spent years thinking i can't do that i have no you know experience or whatever just have a go if you enjoy it just have a go because i don't i can't play anything or I can't read music, but it's just the sheer enjoyment of listening to this type of music and listening to Ben's stuff that made me want to have a go. So just have a go, and if it's crap don't worry. That's what I would say.
1: So these are the life affirmations of Stuart Lockwood. Yes. Well, listen, man, you've got a you've got a lovely voice and I enjoy listening to when you guys uh, collab because they're they're all good. I don't think there's like a bad one. Yeah, thank you. That's really kind. Yeah. How about you, Ben? Do you have some life affirming? uh... Absolutely not.
3: (laughs) From Just a second what Stuart said. I mean, just have a go. I mean, I also can't read music (laughs) and just sit and do stuff. And also, duet is me doing something that I like so you can kind of if you do something you like but no one else is really into it, it doesn't matter as long as you've got something you like and that's what Stuart and I do we're just mm. trying to do something that we would both enjoy and luckily other people then seem to enjoy it too and I would say that's the most important thing do something that you like yeah and thank you thank you to the people
4: who have made nice made nice comments who have given us <laughs> nice comments <laughs> made made Thanks the, right, to the people that have made yeah. nice <laughs> made nice yeah who've heard the music and have been so positive. It's just lovely to hear, like Ben said, that people
1: enjoy it. Not to take your talent for granted... but there is something nice about the comfort of going like, yeah, this is good, and I knew it was going to be good, and it was, and it made me happy. And then there's a nice little surprise in there when when Stuart's beautiful voice comes through, and then it's another song where I'm like, holy shit, fucking repeat. <laughs> oh, amazing. Thank you. Thank you. So you guys have a lovely uh, day. You, you too. And uh, keep on trucking. Oh, God. <laughs>
4: That's good man. Keep on trucking yourself.
1: Every so often I bring that one out and I'm always surprised when it comes out of my mouth. No, it's a good one. (laughs) I like to keep on trucking yourself. Yeah, it sort of has a different connotation when you say it that way yeah <laughs> keep on trucking yourself you fucking bastard <laughs> trucking yourself silly <laughs> jog on alright well <laughs> 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 alright guys well listen you take care and when you uh, make some more music uh, come come back on the show man we'll talk about it will do thank will you will do take care awesome we did it thanks that was brilliant yay All right, and that was my conversation with Duet and Stuart Lockwood. Thank you very much for listening to the show, and tune in next time. I know some of you have sent me song requests, and I'm aware of them, and I will get to them. There was a whole bunch of tracks I had to play this week, and uh, obviously I don't want this show to end up being like four hours long. So just know that I am aware of your requests, and I will get to them in upcoming episodes. You are all awesome, and thank you for listening to the show. Hope you all have a lovely week, and tune in next time to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Now get out of here! Thanks for listening
0: If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting it by going to patreon.com slash beyondsynth or visit beyondsynth.com and click on support the show. Beyond Synth is made possible by the awesome Patreon supporters. Don't forget to follow Beyond Synth on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Live broadcasts can be heard weekly on Twitch at twitch.tv slash beyond underscore synth. Have a lovely week.